Amen. Hey, I want to jump into our Book of Acts series today. I'm excited about the message. We are back in the Book of Acts. I was thinking about this earlier in the words of ACDC. We are back in Acts. Some of y'all are too Christian, too saved. You're like, who's ACDC? Come on now. <laughs> well, if you've been around here for a while or you're newer to LifePoint, we've been in the Book of Acts series for about the last two years, and y'all pray for us. We're trying to be finished up with this series by Easter. And uh, I want to encourage you, if, if maybe you've walked through this, this series with us since we started or you're newer to this series, uh, jump on our website, download our app, um, and, and listen back through uh, the old messages, reread back through the book of Acts. It's been such a, such a powerful and just impactful series for our church. I hope it's been really uh, speaking to you and challenging you in, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And so I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible today, how many people brought a Bible to church? At Austin P. come on now, you brought your Bibles to church, but whether you got your paper Bible with you or your Bible glows. It's all good. Whatever, just, just have a Bible with you. And, and who's taking notes today? Any more of my note takers at? Anybody got notes? Come on, pray. You get extra jewels in your crown in heaven if you're taking notes today. I'm just saying. Just, just saying. Just saying. Um, hey, if you're taking notes today, I've titled today's message, This is Not What I Expected. This is not what I expected. How many have ever started out something or look to complete maybe a task in your life before and you've ended up on the back end of that task saying this is not what I expected. Anybody ever, anybody want to tell the truth today? Good, nobody. Praise the Lord. This is going to be a good message today. Turn to your neighbor and say this is not what I expected. Not what I expected. Well, Christmas last year, I'm from the great state of Iowa. Come on in the Midwest. Come on there, my Iowans. Go Hawkeyes. Um, my wife is from the great state of Oregon, which is a, a long ways away from here on the West Coast. And um, this last year, we got to go, we trade off years back and forth going from Iowa to Oregon. And this past year, we got to go to Oregon to be with my wife's family. And um, if y'all remember, I know it was a long time ago, but, you know, the end of last year, um, you know, uh, there was a, a nice storm that hit here and the snow got pretty bad and we had to cancel Christmas Eve and everything. Well, it was a lot worse on the West Coast, and in particular in Oregon, where my wife is from. And so, thank God, though, we were able to make it out, and our flights weren't delayed, and we were able to get everywhere on time, which was awesome, praise the Lord. And so we ended up landing back home in Oregon. We had to rent a car, drive about an hour and a half to get to my wife's hometown. And um, it was, it was the, the weather there was really bad in my wife's hometown. Matter of fact, there was, everything was covered in ice. Everything was just, it was an ice skating rink all over the place. And um, I'm good with snow. I grew up in it in the Midwest. I can, I can roll on snow and all that good stuff. But man, ice is just a whole other ball game. But, but we, so we get, we get there, we pull into town, and uh, we pull up to my wife's uh, mom's house, and we get there, and she comes out, and she says, I got, I got some bad news. And I said, what, 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 what's going on? What's the bad news already? It's Christmas. Come on, I went to bad news on Christmas. And she says, uh, your grandma, Aaron's, Aaron's grandma, isn't able to make it to Christmas dinner because the ice is so bad. She's iced in at her, at her apartment. And y'all, I felt the spirit of a warrior come over me. And I turned to Aaron, and I said, Grandma is coming to Christmas dinner. And I had this whole plan concocted in my mind that was just not thinking about it now. I just, I don't know what in the world I was thinking. But anyways, I had this whole plan figured out in my mind. I was like, I don't care if I got to stomp this ice with my boot. We're going to get grandma to Christmas dinner. 
And so I, I got this whole plan I'm thinking in my mind on the way over there and and uh, we show up at grandma's house, and again, everything is just covered in a big sheet of ice. And I'm like, okay, surely, you know, everything's sold out. No salt, no sand, nothing anywhere. So I'm going, surely we got some tools, something we can work with. Okay, here's what we had. We had a plastic shovel, which doesn't do good on ice. And then we also had a hammer. Okay, we had a hammer. And so I'm going, okay, we, we can do this. We can make this happen. No problem at all. So y'all, I'm out in the, on the sidewalk out in front of grandma's house with a hammer on my hands and knees trying to bust this ice up. It's just, I'm going one way or another, grandma's coming to Christmas dinner. So I'm sitting there, you know, just hitting away at this ice and I'm not really doing much damage and you can't really walk her. She was kind of on an incline and so I was trying to get some more traction to, you know, and it was just kind of not going the way that I had planned it to. Well, it got worse. This older gentleman pulls up in the driveway next to us and he's there to deliver Christmas dinner to his disabled son who's not able to get out of the house and get Christmas dinner. And so he was an older gentleman and he gets out of his car and this neighbor is yelling at him, don't get out of your car, don't get out of your car, it's too icy, don't get out of your car. So I'm sitting here watching this happen. And this older gentleman is super icy, honestly, he slips and, and falls, which is terrible. So in my mind now I'm going, Lord, I'm trying to rescue grandma, now we gotta get this guy you know, help. And on his way down, he leans up against his car. And I don't know if y'all have ever seen those videos on like Facebook before when it's really, really icy out and you watch those videos in people's hometown where somebody's taking a video camera of like cars, just like, you know what I'm saying, just going down the, just not even, they're parked and they just sliding down the hill. And so he pushes into his car, his car slides down the driveway, slams into the car next to it. The next car next to that car that just got hit is our rental car. And so I'm sitting there watching all this happen. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're gonna, this is going to be a disaster. Anyways, thank God the car did not smash into our rental car. I was able to get over to the guy. I had the hammer. I smacked up all the ice, did all that stuff, got him up, was able to walk him safely kind of along the fence. And it was just a big disaster. So at the end of the day, I remember just hollering. I stood up and I said, Aaron, grandma is not coming to Christmas dinner. See, <laughs> grandma is staying home. You know what I'm saying? We ain't, we ain't making a trip to the ER with grandma. Anyways, I tell that story to say this. Sometimes that's how life can turn out. I remember driving away from there just going, I was kind of mad because, you know, I'm like, I wanted this to work so bad. But I remember driving away from there just and thinking in my mind, this is not how I expected this to turn out. This is not how I expected this to turn out. Now, that's kind of a, a, a funny, kind of scary, and, and honestly, the more I think about it and tell that story, kind of stupid on my part. But anyways... Um, thank God nobody got hurt, but I just think it illustrates, again, the way that life can feel sometimes. We set out with plans and expectations of life turning out a certain way, and it oftentimes leaves us saying, I don't know if you've ever looked at your life before, something happened in your life before, and you've looked at it and said, this is not what I expected. I know this isn't new news for anybody here today, but how many people know that life doesn't always go the way you think it is? Life doesn't always go according to plan. Come on, life doesn't always play by the rules. And when life, and the truth is, when life doesn't go the way that we hoped it would or planned it would, it can be very painful and discouraging. Many of us, we've all, matter of fact, there's nobody in this room right now that is exempt from the pain and the hurt and the challenges in life. Maybe you've experienced the pain of a marriage not working out. Maybe you were excited about for those of you at Austin P, you were excited about maybe your journey as a college student and maybe you had this picture in your mind of what your college experience would turn out to be and maybe it's not turned out the way you thought it would at all. Maybe it's been very painful. Maybe you, 
you lost a job and it's, and it's left you with a lot of pain. Maybe you're dealing with relational pain with coworkers or family members. Maybe you had a relationship that you're like, man, I thought this relationship was going to work out and it didn't work out. Maybe you're experiencing the pain of maybe a loved one or a close friend that you've believed in to come to know the Lord, but it just hasn't happened. We've all, none of us are exempt from the pain in life. Well, as we've seen in the book of Acts, if you've been here, like I said, for a little while and journeyed through us with the book of Acts, the apostle Paul is no stranger to the pain of life. Since Paul gave his life to Jesus, he's had a lot of really, really exciting things happening but he's also had a lot of pain. And today we're gonna, we're gonna pick up with Paul getting this amazing opportunity and it ending up in a lot of pain for Paul. And I want us to, I want us to just learn from, from Paul's situation here today. I, I wanna kind of just pull out some, some thoughts here from Paul's situation, from Paul's pain, from Paul's, what Paul deals with today. So just to kind of catch us up in the book of Acts where we're at currently, we're in, the, we're, in the, we're in a part of Acts where the Apostle Paul is now back in Jerusalem. He's, been, he's reported all these miracles and just amazing things that have taken place in his ministry. Paul's been We've seen Paul preaching the gospel like crazy. We've seen people getting healed and come back to life. We've seen you know, churches planted. It's, it's been an amazing journey for Paul, but it's also been wrapped up in a lot of persecution and challenge. In Acts chapter 20, just to kind of bring us up to speed where we're at today, Paul feels constrained by the Holy Spirit to return to Jerusalem. He returns to Jerusalem to report all the amazing, incredible things God's doing. He comes back from like a Billy Graham crusade. He's ready to just praise, praising God for everything that's happening. And so um, Paul, if you remember, has to stay off the radar a little bit because he's, um, he, he, he's had some false accusations brought against him. So Paul submits. If you remember, he submits to his leaders. He says, all right, I'll hang. I'll stay, I'll stay off the radar for a little while. I'll submit to my leaders. And so Paul walks these, this, this group of guys, this group of new believers through this Nazarite vow, and it's coming to a close in a, in, in a mob of religious leaders. They come and attack Paul. And then if you remember, this guy who's called the Tribune actually begins to, to intervene into Paul's life, and, and Paul gets himself into trouble a couple times, and the, and the Tribune has to uh, rescue him. And Paul gets an opportunity to stand up and speak to the people and share his story of how he came to faith. In Acts chapter 22, verse 22, it says that everybody listened to him, but then the mob got really, really angry again, and this Tribune has to step in again and rescue Paul. And uh, so... This tribune basically is like, we need to, we're going to flog Paul, which if you're not familiar with scripture at all, flogging just means like Paul's going to get the tar beat out of him because we want to figure out why in the world he is here, why he's doing it. We're going to get him to confess his crime and all that stuff. Anyways, this tribune, before he's about ready to beat Paul, Paul speaks up and, and kind of pulls a trump card and says, you can't beat a Roman citizen who hasn't been charged. And so, and, 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 you know, and, and they're like, Paul, you're a Roman citizen. We had no idea. Anyways, this tribune is like, we can't beat Paul because he's a Roman citizen, so they, they, he orders his, you know, his soldiers to, to pull off Paul. And, and uh, we're going to pick up reading here in verse 30. Verse 30. If you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 22, verse 30, it says this. So here's, here we go. Paul, it says, but on the next day, on the next day, so after the tribune, let Paul go. Said, hey, we, get, we need to let him go. We, need to, we just need to, we need to come off Paul for a minute here. He says, but on the next day, desiring to know, this is the tribune. He's desiring to know why he's being accused by the Jews. So the, the tribune's like, I want to know. I want to fear this out. I want to get the bottom of it. He unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and he set him before them. So the tribune, 
here again is desiring to know why, why in the world is, why is this man on trial? Why, he's, why is he being accused? I'm going to get to the bottom of this to find out the real reason. So he unshackles Paul and he commands the chief priests and all the, all the high council to meet and he brought Paul down and he set him before them. Now we have to understand how big of a deal this is. This, is, this would have been, it, it, it just, to, just to, for us to understand this moment for, for Paul, this would have been an opportunity of a lifetime for Paul. This would have been a dream come true. Paul's probably thinking in his mind, this is the reason why the Holy Spirit brought me to Jerusalem. What an amazing opportunity to get to speak and to share the gospel with a group of people like this. These, this group of people that Paul's about to share the gospel with, they're the movers and shakers. They're the, they're the, you know, they're the people that make all the, hold all the order, everything. These are the people that, man, if you're going to want to talk to, to make an influence or make a difference, Paul's like, these are the guys. So Paul has this amazing opportunity in front of him. And I'm sure probably, Paul's probably thinking in his mind, this is my shot. This is my opportunity. All the days leading up to, to this in Jerusalem have been absolutely terrible for Paul, but I'm sure Paul's probably thinking in my mind, this is why I'm here. This is why the Holy Spirit urged me to come to Jerusalem for this very moment. I'm sure the Apostle Paul had a plan prepared in his mind. He had a speech ready. He's thinking this is going to be where the gospel advances and revival breaks out. And I hate to spoil it for us today, but it does not go the way that Paul expects it to at all. And here's the first thing that I want to pull from our text today. As we look at the pain, just dealing with the pain and the unexpected unexpectancy of life and just when life happens unexpectedly. This is the first thing I want us to look to pull from our text today is this, is this thought right here. Our response when life is painful is our choice. Our response is our choice. Let's continue reading starting in, in chapter 23 verse 1. It says this, and, and Paul looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience up until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to pop him in the mouth. And y'all, Paul's off to a great start. Paul doesn't even get a sentence out of his mouth, and he gets smacked. Now, verse 1, is, there's a little bit of controversy surrounding this verse. Um, we, it, it, just, reading this, just reading this verse at face value, we see Paul just... Probably many of us, like when I've read this text, we just go, what did Paul do wrong? What did Paul do to deserve being hit in the mouth? We don't really get to see Paul's tone here. We get to see that he looked intently at the council. Um, uh, He's making eye contact with them. He's trying to let them know, hey, I'm serious about what I'm about to say. He's not staring off into space. He's not looking at the ground. He's not acting casual about it. He starts his speech off like Paul normally does with his speeches by calling them brothers. He's trying to endear Paul. He's trying to endear his crowd. And so he starts off by calling them brothers. He goes on to say, I've lived my whole life in good conscience up until this day. We don't see Paul claiming that he's lived perfectly because we all know Paul hasn't. But he's saying, I've lived my life before God right up until this day. Remember, Paul's being accused of some terrible crimes, some very serious crimes. He's being accused of defiling the temple. He's being accused of starting riots and causing chaos and disorder. And so he's starting his talk by maybe just trying to clear the air like many of us might do. And he's, and he's coming to them and he's not doing it in a harsh way. He's just coming to them saying, hey guys, I haven't done anything wrong. Paul's just trying to 
approach this situation in a very honest and open way. Commentators say that Ananias probably ordered him to be hit because he thought, how could you say something like that when you're on trial for being accused of a crime like this? Or they think maybe Paul, that he was jealous of Paul's life because Paul had you know, lived his life in a certain way. And so the, the high priest might be thinking that maybe, maybe he's jealous of the way that Paul has, has lived his life up until now. So, um, so maybe that's why the high priest smacked him. Others have seen this verse a little differently and thought maybe Paul might've been being a little arrogant or cocky in what he was saying. And maybe Paul deserved to get smacked in the mouth. But regardless of why Paul gets hit in the mouth, we're gonna see here in verse three, we're gonna see something happen that I think is really important for us to notice in this text. Starting verse three, it says, then Paul said to him, now y'all know the verse in the Bible where it says the Lord knows what we're about to say even before we say it? I can imagine Jesus in heaven when Paul's about to speak going, Paul, don't say it. Don't say it. I know what, you know, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit's got to get a hold of your tongue. Sometimes y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? When you want to say something and the Holy Spirit's got to get a hold of your tongue. So I'm sure Paul is, I'm sure Jesus in heaven going, Paul, don't say it. Paul, don't say it. And so Paul says this, he replies and he says, God is going to strike you. And he calls him a whitewashed wall. Y'all calls him a whitewashed wall, man. In other words, that just means like a hypocrite. Paul's just saying, you're a hypocrite. How can you accuse me of, doing, of the crimes I'm doing, yet you are hitting me? It was unlawful during this time to, to, to hit or smack um, somebody who had not been accused officially of their crime. So Paul looks at this guy and says, you are, you're a whitewashed wall. He called, basically calls down a curse on him. He says, are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. And those who stood by said this to Paul. They said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So listen, Paul, we see Paul here have a very human response to being wrong. Paul responds in anger. We need to remember here in the book of Acts that Paul is a human. Paul is just like you and I. Paul is not, Paul is not a God. And in this moment, Paul has a very human response in the heat of the moment to being wronged. He didn't deserve that. And Paul lets his anger get the best of him. And he, and he calls down a curse on the high priest by saying, God's going to strike you, which is against the law. In Exodus twenty two twenty eight, it says, you should not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. So Paul what happened to Paul might not necessarily been right. So what happened to Paul was probably wrong, but Paul was wrong in how he responded to it. Paul was wrong in what he said. And listen, Paul had a choice in this moment of being smacked in the mouth. Paul had a choice in this moment to decide how he was going to respond to what happened to him. And Paul, we see, choose, he chose to come back to this place of humility and and apologize. Paul couldn't control what happened to him. He might not have deserved to be smacked in the mouth, but what was in his control was his response towards what happened to him. And this is such a powerful thought when we approach challenges in life. I'm telling you that the statement that I'm about to say right here will help you so much in dealing with the pain and the uncertainty and the unexpectancy in life. This statement right here will save you from a lot. This is something that I tell people all the time when I sit down with them, at, you know, in a, in a pastoral counseling session and life's hit them unexpectedly or undeserving and life feels painful or out of control. This is what I tell people. I say this, I say, you can't always control what happens to you. 
You can't always control what happens to you. But you can always control your response towards what happens to you. I'm going to say that again. You can't always. How many people know? Come on now. We can't control what happens to us. But what's always in our control is how we choose to respond to what happened to us. So what we have to do sometimes in life is we have to ask ourselves in the pains of life, what's out of my control and what's in my control? How many people know there are just some things in life that are out of your control? There are just some, th- some things that happened to you in life that you didn't ask for, you didn't deserve. You didn't, man, I didn't, I didn't deserve that. I didn't ask for that. There are just, there are pains in life, things that happen in life that are just out of our, you can't control people walking out of your life. You can't always control your boss that treats you a certain, you can't always control getting laid off from a job. You can't always control a coworker that keeps talking about you. You can't control that person that walked out of your life. But listen, what is in your control is your response to what happened Listen, Paul could have allowed what happened to him to keep him in a place of anger and bitterness, but notice Paul comes back to a place of a godly response. He comes back to this place and he says, for it is written. In other words, he's saying, my flesh might be telling me to do one thing, but God's word is telling me to do another thing. How many people know your feelings will lie to you? Your feelings will get you in trouble. Your feelings will, 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 will get you to do some things that you should not be doing. Your feelings will, will, will drag you away from how God's word calls us to live. And when you go through challenging situations, when life doesn't go the way you plan, when disappointment sets in, when your feelings tell you to do things that are contrary to God's word, we need to decide how we're going to respond in these situations. Can I encourage you in just maybe five different ways to, you know, that we can choose to respond when life hits, when, when things happen, maybe relationally or unexpected or pain comes, anything like that. Can I do that for a second? If you're taking notes, the first thing is this. If, when the pains of life hit and, and maybe happen unexpectedly, maybe somebody doesn't treat you the way you think you should be treated, can I just encourage us to, to have an attitude of forgiveness? To choose to forgive quickly. Some of you would be a lot better off if you just took the advice of Princess Elsa and you just let it go. I know sometimes the pain in life isn't just as easy as let it go. So, so j- forgiveness is sometimes a journey in life. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't started that journey of forgiveness, to begin that journey of forgiveness. Sometimes in life, y'all, when life hits and the pains of life come at us, sometimes we just need to humble ourselves. Sometimes there are circumstances and situations where we just need to humble ourselves and say sorry. We just need to apologize. So I've realized some things in life. I've realized that sometimes pain happens in life because we live in a fallen and sinful and broken world. Would you all agree with that? Sometimes pain happens in life because of people, that circumstances, situations, all that stuff that's out of our control. Sometimes things happen in life because of our own stubbornness. It's real quiet in here. Sometimes things happen in our lives because of our own stubbornness. Sometimes we need to be willing just to humble ourselves and apologize. Some things may be keeping us in a place that we're in. I'm just going to use this as a quick example and I'll move on. I won't stay here. Husbands, you can be right and sleep on the couch. I'm just saying. Or you can humble yourself. Come on, guys. Lay down our pride. We can humble ourselves. And in the words of Pastor Willie, we can get back in the bed. You know what I'm saying? 
Sometimes when we're going through the pains in life, we need to be careful of what's coming out of our mouth. You know, watch our mouth. Sometimes we just need to choose. I'm, hey, I'm going to make a choice no matter what's going on in my life right now. I'm going to choose. I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to complain, even though I got every right to. Some of you have just been grumbling and complaining over stuff that's happened in your life that you can't control for too long. Some of y'all just need to choose. Hey, I'm going to choose to just watch my mouth. Some of y'all just been letting your mouth run. You've been, it's hard to even be around you sometimes. Some of us just need to choose not to complain or grumble. Some of us need to choose in our pain and the uncertainty of life. Some of us need to choose to turn to God. Some of us need, we just ended a series called Pray First Series. Some of us just need to turn to, we need to, we need to make our, our first decision. Instead of complaining or grumbling, we need to choose to pray first. We need to say, God, you see what's happening in my life. You know what's going on right now. You see the life's out of control and chaotic and painful. God, you see what's going on with this, and I trust you to deal with this. Some of y'all just need to reach out for help. Some of y'all are going through some painful stuff right now in life and you're suffering alone and you're going through some hurts and pains and you need a small group, hashtag small groups, come on somebody, to come around you, to be with you in your time of pain. Some of you just need to set up some pastoral care and counseling, but man, when life is out of control, hey, listen, we can't always control what happens to us. Control how we respond to it. The second thing is this. We're gonna continue reading here. In verse six, some of us, when life hits unexpectedly or the pain of life or we find ourselves in difficult situations, we need to do what the Apostle Paul does next. And we need to refocus our attention. We need to refocus our attention. It says this, starting in verse six. It says, now when the Apostle Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other's Pharisees, he cried out in the council. He said again, he said, brothers, so Paul, Paul goes from this place of he just got smacked, he's probably ticked, he's mad, whatever, chooses to humble himself and apologize. Now he comes back to the council, he says, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. And then he says this, this is really powerful here. He says, it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. So, so notice Paul's attention, his, his focus begins to shift here. He says, it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. And when he had said this, it says a dissension arose between the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection nor angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So Paul in this moment, what Paul's trying to do, some commentators say that Paul's just, it's a crafty ploy of Paul. Paul is, Paul's just making, he's, he's going, he's looking at the situation. He's going, man, this is really painful and this is a mess and they're probably not going to listen to anything I'm wanting to say. Paul's kind of noticing, reading the room, figuring out the situation. And so Paul refocuses his attention now on what is going to be his advantage in the situation. So notice Paul's focus change here. It says, it says this, it says that when Paul perceived, so when Paul became aware, when he realized who was in the room, when he remembered, oh yeah, this one has Sadducees, the other is Pharisees. In this moment, Paul has this realization, I think right here, of his advantage in the situation. He realizes what's going to help me in this situation is my hope in the resurrection in a painful and challenging situation, Paul refocused his attention. He got back focused on his hope in the resurrection, on his hope in Jesus, which has been Paul's central message all along. And Paul starts off this text and he gets a little off track and he gets a little focused on himself. But then Paul begins to reshift his focus and reshift his attention back to his main message. 
And just like Paul lost focus, sometimes the pain and conflict in life, come on church, can cause us to lose our focus. Sometimes we go through challenge and pain and we become consumed and wrapped up in discouragement and what happened to us or how we've been wronged or mistreated. And sometimes, listen, we just need a shift in our focus. We just need to get our attention back on the right thing. Back on the, listen, church, back on the greatest advantage that we have as followers of Jesus in any situation or anything going on in life. Come on, the central message of Christianity is the hope that we have in a man named Jesus and he died and he rose again and listen, he defeated all powers of hell. So listen, what does that mean for us today? That means that there's nothing that's going on in my life that God can't overcome. Listen, my hope is not in my job, my friendships, my spouse. My hope is in a person and his name is Jesus. Some of us just need to get our focus and our attention back on this message again. That this is where my hope comes from. There's nothing going on in my life right now that God can't redeem. There's nothing going on in my life right now that God didn't die for to overcome. Come on, somebody. Our hope is in Jesus. Listen, this is, by the way, as Christians, this is, this is our advantage as Christians. This is the good news that we have, you and I have, for a hurting humanity, people that are lost and searching. It's the best message of all time. It's the greatest news of all time that Jesus died and rose again to save you from your brokenness and sin and give you a new life. And sometimes as Christians, we, get, we lose sight of the message that we have and we get caught up in things that just don't, just don't matter. And I wonder what God could do if maybe we stopped arguing with people about politics and what's wrong in the world and we got back on the central message of the gospel, our advantage in a broken world isn't that we know our politics well enough or that we know the latest news stories and conspiracy theories or even that we know the theological nuances of scripture and how to argue and debate with people. Our greatest advantage, listen church, in a world today is that we have a hope and a man named Jesus and he's a resurrected savior. That's the, that's the greatest news of all time. So Paul, Paul comes back to, Paul comes back to, hey, hey, I lost focus, but now I'm coming back to my message, which is the, the main message, the best news. I'm gonna come back to, he gets refocused on his message. And let's see what happens with Paul. And we're gonna continue reading in verse nine. It says, then a great clamor arose. Next time your kids get in a fight, just tell them to, uh, you know, quick clamor. I don't know if that makes sense, but anyways. Then a great clamor arose and some of the scribes and the Pharisees party stood up and contended sharply, we find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or angel did speak to him? And then the dissension became violent and the tribune, afraid that Paul will be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take them away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. So Paul's statement causes an uproar and an argument between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so much so that the tribune is afraid that Paul's about to be torn up. So he has to go down and rescue Paul from this situation for the, first, for the third time. But notice in the text, Paul, Paul's focus, when Paul's focus began to change, when, when he got his focus back on what matters, when he got his focus back on his message of hope and the resurrection, we don't see necessarily Paul's circumstances getting better, but we see God begin to intervene and work in this situation. And God was able to defend Paul and, and God's all at work in this whole thing and begins you know, to use the tribune to rescue him again. And, and here's what I know sometimes in life. When life is painful and challenging, sometimes our circumstances might not change but our focus can. Sometimes our circumstances might not change, but our focus can. 
Sometimes we can't change our circumstances, but we can change our focus. Maybe some of us today, some of us today, man, we've just lost focus and we just, we need to refocus and put the attention back on our hope in Jesus. And we just need to trust and allow God to begin to work in our situation. Some of us need to make a decision today to re-anchor our hope in Jesus. Some of us today, just, we need to re-remind ourselves, come on church, that God is working behind the scenes. God's putting things together that I might not see right now, but I can, ho- I can put my hope in him that he's working things together for my good. I can trust that he's good and he's working things together behind the scenes. We need to trust God. Some of us just need to get back to a place of trusting God. We need to stop defending ourselves and we just need to trust God to defend us. Some of us need to stop fighting with people and we just need to trust God. Some of us need to stop trying to figure it out and work out all the problems and issues and the pains that are going on in life. We just need to trust God again. Some of us need to get back to that place of, man, God, I trust. God, you are where my help comes from. You're where my help comes from. The last thing I want to encourage us in this today from our text, and then we're going to pray and close. So I want to end on time. Try to anyways. Y'all pray for me. The third thing I want to see in this is when life is painful, when life is challenging, when life hits unexpectedly, we need to know this. We need to know that the Lord is with us in our pain. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to be reminded of that today. Some of you today are carrying a lot of pain and hurt from life. And some of you need to be reminded today that the Lord is with us in our pain. Remember, I opened the message today talking about how life doesn't work out the way we think it's going to. And life doesn't. Paul's situation, Paul's big opportunity to share the gospel with the council doesn't go the way that Paul wants it to, probably expected it to, or hoped it would. And matter of fact, next week's text, it gets worse. It gets a lot worse for Paul. But we see Paul in this situation, things not getting better, things actually getting worse. And I want to just, something really amazing happens here in verse 11. And I just want to take just a minute here to focus on this. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says this, that the following night, the Lord stood by him. The Lord stood by him. It says that the Lord came and stood by him. By Paul. The original meaning of, of to stand by means to, in this text, means to be present. It means to literally to be at hand. The Lord came and stood by Paul, meaning he was present, he was at hand. Listen, we don't see the Lord yelling from heaven. We don't even see the Lord sending an angel to reveal himself to Paul. We see the Lord himself comes he stands next to Paul. This is a big deal. We need to understand how big of a deal this is because up until then, the Lord had appeared and shown himself to Paul in the form of, you know, a vision. He's seen, he's seen the Lord in a vision. He's seen, you know, some different things. But this is the first time that we actually see the Lord himself come down and stand by Paul. I think the Lord wanted to remind Paul, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know it's hard. I know it hasn't turned out the way you thought it would or hoped it would, but I'm with you. Some of us need to be reminded today that even in our darkest hour and in the pains and challenges of life, God is with us. His presence is with us. Some of you just need to know today that God's presence, did y'all know this? God's presence is with you. Psalm 16, eight says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. Listen, for where? For he is right beside me. Hebrews says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. 
Psalm 34 says he is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 46.1 says God is our refuge and strength. Listen, church, he's an ever-present help in time of need. He's an ever-present help in time of need. And I just wonder, some of you maybe today, I'm sure Paul stood wrestling with a lot of thoughts, thinking, man, I blew this. This is my opportunity. I messed this up. I made this mistake. This is my fault. Maybe Paul was in a, in a place where he was ready to quit, walk away. Maybe Paul was ready to be done with this whole thing. We don't know. We don't know from this text, but we know that the Lord himself came and stood by Paul. So we know that he was pretty discouraged. And he tells Paul, be encouraged. Maybe some of you today, as we close, some of you today are maybe feeling like Paul, feeling discouraged, feeling maybe disappointed at the way life's turned out. Maybe you're thinking, man, I didn't expect it to go this way. I didn't expect my marriage to end this way. I didn't expect the job loss to happen. I didn't expect this person to walk out of my life. I didn't expect this season of my life to turn out. We're 29 days in 2023, and some of us are already ready for the year to be over because we're going, man, this, this year has just been terrible already. Some of you have allowed the enemy, listen to me, some of you have allowed the enemy to whisper in your ear and tell you that you should just quit. You should just walk away. Maybe some of you are here today and you're going, I'm going to give this God thing one more shot and then I'm done. And I believe that maybe some of you have allowed the enemy to get into your ear and is wanting you to quit. And I just believe this. As I was praying for this message, I just believe for this moment right here. I believe that the spirit of the Lord is in this place today at APSU and online. And he's saying this to you today. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, mom. I'm with you, dad. I'm with you. I'm with you, husband. I'm with you, wife. I'm with you, single person. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, son. I'm with you, daughter. I'm with you. Be encouraged. God's here today saying, man, I'm not done with your life. I've got more for you. I've got more for you. My purpose for you has not changed. Some of us today just need to refocus our attention today on the hope that we have in Jesus. Some of us are here today and we just need to maybe humble ourselves like Paul and we just need to come back to a place of just going, God, I need you. Some of us, you're here today because you're suffering from maybe the pains in life that maybe have caused you because you haven't living maybe the right way that God's called you to live and maybe you need to just make a decision today. I'm gonna humble myself and I'm gonna come back before the Lord. Can we do this really quick because we're out of time. Can we open our hands before the Lord? Father, I thank you that you see each and every person here today. God, you know every name, you know every story. You know every hurt and pain. You know every situation. God, you know exactly what people are going through. God, I thank you that in a room like this, Holy Spirit, you know exactly where people are at right now. God, people are experiencing different pains in life. Lord, life is painful and it hurts and it's a struggle, but God, I pray that you would help us. God, would you encourage us just like you encouraged Paul? Would you encourage us by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit? Thank you that you're with us. God, you're for us. You're not against us. Thank you that you're an ever-present help in time of need. And so we trust, God, that you're with us. Comfort every person in this room today. Encourage the discouraged today. God, I pray that you lift up the eyes, maybe of the brokenhearted today. People that are discouraged need to hear from you, Lord. I pray for your encouragement, for your presence to surround people today. Lord, for people today that need to make a decision to go all in with you, God, I pray that they would make that decision today. And would everybody just do this with me? Can we repeat after me, Lord Jesus? Come on, let's say it like we mean it, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you rose again. Thank you that I can have hope and a new life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Lord, I repent and I turn to you. Lord, I am all in, in Jesus' name.